Morning, everybody, and thank you for joining us. It's um, Wednesday, the 23rd of September. We're really lucky and grateful this morning to have a new uh, guest with us. We've got Dr. Ricky Fraser. He's one of the consultants at Valindra Cancer Centre in, in Cardiff. Good morning, Ricky. Morning. And then we've got my two colleagues that have been previously with us. We've got Dr. Fiona Rawlinson, who's a palliative care consultant in um, City Hospice and works for Cardiff University, and Dr. Rachel Lee, who's a GP advisor for Wales for Macmillan and also a GP in Cardiff. I'm Dr. Elise Lang. I'm a GP in Cardiff and um, Valindra Macmillan GP lead. Um, so good morning to Fiona and Rachel as well. Morning. Morning. So I guess just a sort of very open question, first of all, Ricky, just thinking back now it's been six months to the day apparently since we went into lockdown um obviously leading up to lockdown those months and weeks very anxiously you know hearing the news coming out of the rest of Europe with coronavirus how did Valinda adapt and change to the situation they saw coming towards them and, and and how have you all been coping really yeah so that's a really good question so I mean I, I guess the first thing to say is I remember being in a meeting um in February when things were starting to pick up pace elsewhere and I remember there was a meeting you know there it was there was consultants there was other health professionals in that meeting and I remember the look of shock on lots of people's faces uh, you know about what was likely to transpire in the UK and I think it felt like it was you know not our problem it was a problem that was happening elsewhere and, and then it, as it kind of came closer and and the realization that this was you know very real and was going to be very real for the uk it's been challenging it's been really challenging you know we work within a in a cancer center that that was built you know more than 50 years ago that wasn't really built for social distancing wasn't really built for you know a covid pandemic um and like many of us we we were challenged with you know, working out ultimately what the right thing to do for patients was. So, you know, where the risk versus benefits ratio sat in terms of carrying on treatments versus stopping treatments, working out what our offering was going to be around the, you know, acute manage of COVID patients, you know, as we all had to play a part in that. Um, and, and so, you know, as we'll probably explore throughout the talk, you know, we've made a lot of changes to the cancer center and lots of ways to our, our kind of business as usual, but having to take it in the context of, of what is a really difficult situation for all of us. Yeah, I have a feeling I might have been in that meeting with you and, and I totally remember sort of wave of, of shock really. And, you know, the projected numbers as well, which obviously, you know, fortunately didn't reach what was predicted at that time, but I guess we're sitting here ahead of a potential second wave as well and, and the nervousness that that brings really what's um staff morale like in Valinda? because obviously you've had your own very close and sad experiences with COVID with losing a staff member um you know it, how how have things been with the fact that you've had to change working environments and have less staff around perhaps less consultants around and things for, for support how have things been I think the honest answer to that Elise is it's waxed and waned so you know there's I think initially there we, we you know, we talk a lot about the Valindra family. And I think in those first few weeks, it really did feel like uh, a family that, you know, that united together, knowing that, you know, ultimately we had a responsibility to the people of, you know, of Wales to, to keep our service running. Um, 
and then you know as you as you absolutely allude you know a member of our staff who you know meant a great deal to me um sadly passed away from covid and that one was really tough you know and and there were many tears shed and often you know one of the hardest things i i know maybe selfishly and personally was not being able to to coach other staff who needed it and and be coached myself and it and it sounds a bit you know indulgent to say that that was a worry but it it was it's such a cultural thing at Valindra you know that that closeness and that you know care and affection for each other that that was you know it, in, in a moment that that was so and I've got goosebumps while I'm saying this out loud but in a moment that was so difficult for the whole you know cancer community and the whole team us at Valindra not being able to be there for each other um at that time in the way that we'd like to did hit morale and you know and, and like all of all of the uh, nhs services we had a lot of a lot of patients or sorry a lot of staff who were off uh you know particularly in that initial stages where we got to grips with you know what a positive test meant or what having symptoms meant but having to wait for a test you know and we were down really on numbers for for many weeks and with many of us working you know seven days most weeks for a lot of weeks and i think that took its toll The emotion as you say that you know thanks for your for your honesty and and you know thank you for what you did through that as well and, and hopefully it won't be you know the same or nearly as onerous into a into a second wave because you know i think everyone at this point now is kind of trying to steal themselves and summon up the resolve to kind of face it again aren't they but it, it's a daunting and, and terrifying prospect as well fiona did you want to come in on that as well because i know you're you're very closely linked with Valindra city hospice as well aren't you Yes, thanks. And, and thanks, Ricky. I, I think paying sort of particular attention to the staff morale issue, you know, and we're recording this in September. It, it, you're, you're absolutely right. I think the, the natural thing for all of us is that closeness and that's how we give support. And it's been a very difficult journey through the six months working out how we can do that in different ways. Um, and I think across the teams in Valindra and particularly, um, you know, in, in Cardiff, in Valindra and City Hospice, we have found ways to do things differently to support each other. But it is but it is different. And I think right now in September, the kind of our, our, our challenge, if you like, our task is to almost play the long game and think, right, if this is going to go on through the winter, we really do need to look after our staff and to try to make sure that we all buy into the slightly different ways of doing things because social distancing is, is so difficult and of course in that respect we're, we're, we're doing what our patients have to do so we are sharing we are sharing this journey with them um, but it, 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 it's tricky and it's tricky managing uncertainty and we're all a little bit uncertain as, as to what, what's going ahead. So the trick is then to think, right, well, what can we be certain of and kind of concentrate, concentrate on that, really. But it's, it's, it's brought unexpected. It's brought unexpected challenges, I think, this year. So I guess you know, from, from a patient's perspective, Ricky, you know, say, say a new patient, a first patient to Valindra, how would not that necessarily they'd ever know because they wouldn't have been there before. But how does a first appointment, how does a system look that's different to a year ago, say? And I guess the next question, which Rachel and I are very aware of, is how much is done now remotely rather than face to face and things as well? Yeah. Yeah, really good question. I think, you know, you know 
it never leaves my mind how difficult that first appointment is for any patient. You know, the, when you come to Valindra, you know, you, you've often heard of Valindra or you've been touched in some way by a family member or a friend or being a caregiver to someone who's been to Valindra. And, and I take a lot of pride in in what we provide to patients when they first come to Valindra. You know, people often think it's going to be a really sad and somber place to be, you know, and actually hopefully what they see is is real affection and, and love that permeates through through the organization. But it's different now in, in the sense that that love and, and affection is absolutely there and if not is stronger than before. But the reality is that when you come to the front door of Alindra, you'll have your temperature checked. Uh, if you're a patient, you will. Um, there'll be a set of questions to see if you've got COVID symptoms. You'll be offered a face mask as you come in. You'll be socially distanced in the waiting room. Um, and, and, you know, and then when you come in to see if it's an appointment with myself, you know, I'll be in PPE when you meet me. You know, and so if I'm discussing you know, a scan that, that you've had that you may not have discussed yet, and it shows that things have spread, for example, you may not be able to to see the empathy in the same way. And I think that's hard. Um, you know, it, it, and it's those those soft interactions and those, those you know, uh, facial... Uh, facial descriptors and, and actions that, that maybe the patient won't be able to pick up the same way. But that, you know, so that, that is, that, that's different. Isn't it? We can't get away from that. And, and, and there is more, as you alluded to, more people who are having either, you know, consultations on digital platforms or by telephone. And that comes with, you know, inherent challenges and difficulties that said, and I think Fiona made this point really nicely earlier, that, you know, it's about learning to do those things as optimally as we can. And, and, and actually, there are patients who, you know, now with the benefit of reflection, don't really need to come for an hour just to see me and, and have a follow-up appointment and be told that everything's going okay and, and have a few minutes and then do the hour journey back. And so actually, you know, there are you know, in inverted commas, good things that have come out of what's been a really difficult time. And, and hopefully, you know, thinking ahead and thinking to a world which, you know, it resembles closer to what our normality has been. It may be that there's a blended approach to be developed where, you know, it is important that some patients come down and, and, and see us physically in person. And actually, it may be that it's absolutely right that some people have telephone consultations or virtual consultations and that actually improves their, their you know, day-to-day -day quality of life because they're not losing a couple of hours by coming to the cancer centre. I think that's the point on the non-verbal communication skills that we all use is, is a really sort of salient message, really, isn't it? Because we all struggle when you've got a face mask on to make your eyes as supportive as <laughs> they possibly can do. And actually, you know, it's not just your eyes, is it? It's everything about you, but a lot of it's hidden by PPE. So I, I think Rachel and I both felt that in, in primary care, certainly. I guess trying to be positive, you know, as you say, there have been some positives from, from COVID because as a consequence of it. You know, obviously, you know, things have changed. One of the things you've touched on there would be about the sort of ongoing remote consultations going forward. I guess, you know, I'd like to say looking forward to a year from now, but, you know, the year from now where COVID is controlled and, and we're all safe and we can do a, a normal thing once more. 
what positive changes do you think have been made? I know there's been lots of trials and things through COVID where, say, radiotherapy fractions have been shortened and things like that. So the amount of time people would have radiotherapy has been shortened from what's been a traditional method. What sort of things do you think going forward will remain as a sort of legacy, but, but for, for good? One of the things I hope remains, Elise, is that I'm hoping the ability to get stuff done remains. So, you know, one of the nice things about, you know, nice and inverted commas about, you know, the difficulties in those first few weeks is I didn't have to have meetings about meetings to get something sorted. So, you know, we needed to make difficult decisions. Uh, and many of us who, you know, are not adverse to, to making difficult decisions were able to do that without as much red tape uh, as maybe we we sometimes find. You know, I, I think in terms of other positives, you know, I, I've never seen you at eight o'clock in the morning. It's quite a nice thing. Um, and so, you know, it's these kind of virtual, you know, meetings and, and educational events that I think are, are really good. So I, I did ESMO, which is a big oncology conference this weekend. I absolutely missed being in Spain because it would have been warmer. But, you know, there was advantages about being able to log on, you know, at different times from home, you know, being able to interact in, in a virtual platform. You know, I've, I, I did a, a webinar last night um, on renal cancer. Um, and again, more people attended that than normally would if we had booked a hotel and all gone there for the evening because people could go home, sort their children out and then log online for an hour. So, you know, I think there are things like that, that, that we've, you know, we've developed these digital platforms that, let's be honest, would have taken us probably another five years to do. You know, and now we're all sitting here happily smiling at each other on Zoom. So, you know, I think it's about looking for those, I guess, almost little wins that have come out of a really difficult and challenging time and work out how we hold on to those as we move forward. I mean, I think you're fundamentally as the owner is a sort of right where it is education they start you that's something you're very passionate about i know fiona's deep at the moment in providing educational resource sort of remotely i guess you know to both of you really whoever wants to come in you know that must be very difficult i have hosted a meeting remotely for valindra but you know trying to make sure that everyone's engaged and and then you know is it is there is that something that's sort of been a successful model i appreciate the time means that people can duck in and out of it but if you've obviously become experts in, in IT as you go along and, and to try and working these into something that's successful and that, that resonates. And I suppose, have you had positive feedback from it? Is it something that's working and, and you can see working going forward? I mean, if, if I comment very quickly, Fiona, and then maybe you can come in because you've probably got more experience. You know, I did a lecture for year three medical students actually in the midst of COVID uh, uh, just to provide a little bit of education around cancer for them because, you know, they hadn't been able to do as many placements. And I think at one point we had almost 300 students online, um, you know, with me talking about, um, you know, immunotherapy and things that I, you know, I love to talk about. And, and, and it felt engaged, it, you know, it felt, it felt really good um, to have that many people who, who had wanted to log on and, and be part of that. Um, and, and I'm sure Fiona will explain some of the, the strengths and drawbacks. But, you know, I think the reality is that there's been many times, you know, that I've given a talk up in Manchester and I've, I've gone up to Manchester, it's taken four or five hours. I've spoken for an hour and then I've come back. In fact, it was only um, just over a year ago that several of us went out to India to deliver um, a, an oncology course there. 
and you know and it was fantastic and it was rich and it was you know rich in experience for our candidates but that was a long way to go and it took a lot of time out of the day job and so you know whilst i think face-to-face -face teaching still has a real role going forward i think there is a richness about being able to interact with the speaker in that way um you know i, I think virtual uh teaching is certainly opened up doors going forward uh, i would absolutely i would echo that i think the big thing about virtual teaching is not pretending that it's the same as face-to-face -face. it's it's different it seems to work really well if you have sort of 45 minutes or an hour session blocks and then a break one of the bits of feedback that we've had is that um from our from our postgraduate course is that actually some people have felt more engaged with the virtual environment because you see people's faces on the screen of those who have joined whereas in a lecture theatre you might go to a lecture theatre and and just perhaps see the backs of people's heads and the immediate people around you i think the skill and the art is going to come and we're all getting we're all getting more used to this in actually how you manage the numbers and what sort of interaction you give you can interact virtually you can you can pose questions and ask people to to respond on the chat function some of the platforms such as zoom have got polling some of the platforms have got the ability to put people into breakout rooms and providing you set people's expectations right up front as to what it's going to do and what it's not going to do it is really powerful you can set people pre-reading you can you can set people to watch something on youtube first before they come you can be really creative but it's it's not the same as standing in a lecture theater delivering a lecture so once once we've got our head around the fact that it's different but gosh you know right now safety wise it has to be like this and the other interesting thing is just looking ahead you know thinking of the planet and thinking about climate change actually in terms of the overall climate change the overall economy the overall workplace i just wonder how long it's going to be before we feel comfortable taking a week or 10 days out to travel a long way to deliver a, a lecture I, I think I think that might change, but I think we've, we've not got the answers yet. I think we're all learning. So I think what would be great in 2021 is to have some kind of virtual um, seminar on what we've all learnt and the sort of the top tips of the top tips of the trade. But in essence, we've been really heartened by the response we've had and actually the, the creativity and the ability to connect with people who might otherwise not have. So, you know, you're right, joining for a quick half, three quarters of an hour session at lunchtime from your office, rather than having to find your car in the car park, drive across town or to a different city, find another parking place, pay, pay for parking, find the room. Oh, you can do it from your office. It's easier. But you do have to work the crowd a little bit. And what's missing is that that informal coffee conversations and lunch to conversations. So those need to go somewhere else, whether that's using WhatsApp or, or a different forum. So it's not the same, it's different, but it can still do great things. That's interesting, isn't it? It comes back to, you know, almost to Vicky's point about the cook earlier on, isn't it? It's that kind of familiarity, that kind of peer support and things that you, you get in conferences, which is really important, but we 
haven't quite established how to work that as well I don't think yet where, where we can deliver the teaching and I suppose you know just just seven months ago the three of us were trying to, to um you run, run a community study day for oncology and and quickly had to take that off the table because of of the risks of covid but we'd like to try and set that up and do that in a in a digital and a remote fashion and, and we might have a wider reach with that I suppose with the fact that people can log in from further afield and trying to bring the the topic round to community conversations I suppose as a podcast are entitled Ricky I was going to ask you how you've related to primary care to to community um healthcare professionals through COVID and whether that's any different to whether how it was before and I suppose the second part of the question how we can help you do it better you know going forward not just around COVID but in terms of conversations and and, and you know patient care really and doing that to the absolute best. Yeah I mean, my personal feeling is it's got a little bit easier to to have conversations with community colleagues about patients. Uh, you know, I, I think moving forward, it's about how we utilize some of those platforms like, you know, Consultant Connect or, or other platforms. You know, there's no reason why if you've got a patient uh, that you want to get some quick advice from that you can't you know, call me on a Teams platform. I can't call you on a Teams platform to to have a, a conversation about a patient and, 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 and what we're doing. And, and I think it's using some of the things we've learned that Fiona's absolutely alluded to, you know, how quickly it is that you can, you know, that we've logged on this morning and started this conversation. There's no reason why we shouldn't use similar vehicles to improve patient care. I, I, you know, let's be honest and transparent. The, the last few months have been a bit of a whirlwind and, and many of us, and I probably speak for all four of us, have just been trying to keep our practices afloat and trying to keep patients safe and trying to keep ourselves and loved ones safe. But I do think as we, as we you know, pick up some of those, those learnings that, that have developed, it's about ensuring that we we ease our ability to communicate with each other um, and make sure that we use some of these these you know platforms that that I was never familiar with i'm I'm certainly not a, a tech god by any stretch of imagination, but actually a lot of this is more straightforward than I envisaged it would be uh, and so it's about how we use some of this digital digital technology that that I'll openly admit I kind of shied away from how we use some of that to enhance patient care, um, you know, over the coming months. Because I think some of the, the um, points you've made, there would echo with, with Rachel, because actually a lot of the work Rachel's been doing with Cardiff and Vale have been obviously trying to link the consultants and the community together. And, and those communication channels have opened, Rachel, haven't they, in a way that you have found doors less open for the preceding couple of years really and you've made some real progress was you know I'm thinking along the lines of things that we've done with pharmacy you know end of life meds and things like that as well it has made things smoother removing some of the obstructions hasn't it yeah no definitely and I think I agree with you Ricky Consultant Connect has been fantastic and the use of it in Cardiff and Vale has been really good I think just just being able to pick up the phone and ring someone where I think you know before Covid we probably wouldn't do that we'd probably be scrabbling around trying to email the secretary and I think it makes life so much easier and you know the collaboration like you say Elise with secondary care you know to work together to try and get the best outcome for the patient has been great and again that's been a change, I think, like you said, Ricky, rather than having meetings after meetings, we've just been doing it 
and it, it's been so positive and I think that will be a positive that comes out of COVID that that we can communicate between between ourselves much more easily. Vicky, I guess we've got another few minutes. I just wanted to touch on some of the topics that have been really newsworthy nationally around cancer. So um, there's been a lot of talk both within Macmillan and, and externally about, you know, the forgotten sea, about cancer being, you know, everyone was advised to stay home and perhaps that didn't encourage people to present with symptoms as early as they should do. Um, I realise one of your roles is is to be sort of um, acute oncology, so sort of hospital front door for really sick patients. And I guess, you know, ha has the experience of presentation of patients changed in the last six months? Are you seeing, you know, I hate to use the word, but sort of, you know, worse sort of case presentations at the beginning than you were six months ago? And is there any really thing that we can pin it down to other than just delay? Is there anything, you know, that you've noticed in terms of trends? And, and, and actually, fingers crossed, is that improving? Are we are people presenting a bit earlier now, later on in the year? Yeah, really good question. So I think there's a few tenants to this, you know, to answer the question you, you posed, yes, I did see that. So I saw uh, a collection of patients in my own melanoma and renal practice presenting later than they normally would, and often with more widespread metastatic disease than, than they normally would. And I think that is a multitude of reasons. So I think some patients just felt like I need to get through COVID and, and therefore didn't present as early as they could. The reality is that there were some some services that weren't easily accessible, you know, the the surgical lists and, and some of those more elective lists were, were more difficult to run and, and were more difficult to access. I think it is starting to get better. Uh, I think a lot of those services are now back in full flow. And as we go into this, what is going to be a difficult six months, I think we all appreciate, it's really looking at what we've learned from the last six months and making sure that we do things right. And I think we made some really good but difficult decisions the first time round that I wouldn't want us to make again. So, you know, you alluded to, you know, my role at the front door and, and that, you know, I, I lead the assessment unit of Valindra and we very much dealt with a lot of COVID on that assessment unit and, and I was very much involved in writing COVID guidelines and, and making, you know, working out the escalation and, and making sure that we knew what that pathway looked like for cancer patients. And I think we have to have some honest and, and, and clear conversations with our health board colleagues. And it may well be, and you know, these conversations are ongoing, but it may well be that we don't try and manage COVID patients at Valindra this time round but actually we try and stay as COVID secure as we can. And there's likely to be a degree of testing that will need to facilitate that uh, in terms of regular testing. And, and I've now become IPC lead, so infection prevention control lead. There's a whole world of pain for me to work through, but really important pain. And I think it's about working out how we remain COVID secure at Valindra and try and do the thing that only we do, which is to deliver you know, systemic therapies and radiotherapies uh, to our population. And actually, it may be that we, we don't get as involved in managing the, the sick COVID patient as we did last time. You know, we've learned now, you know, some things that we didn't know before. We didn't know the role of steroids. We didn't know the role of pronin. We didn't know how to best optimally manage some of the, the COVID patients. But my personal feeling, I don't want to speak, you know, on behalf of the whole of Lindra, 
but even as you know as an acute lead you know i certainly see our role over the next next six months in delivering optimal cancer care as number one and we did try and do that to the best of our abilities but we were in the middle of a pandemic but we didn't know where it was going to start where it's going to end and what our role should be and and we wanted to play our part in managing covid patients but i think it's about looking at the role that we can play within the, the context of our community teams our secondary care teams and ensuring that we do what we do well um, over the next six months i think that's that's the right approach isn't it and, and you know i think everything you said resonated because we did stop and, and try and prioritize patient safety and patient survival with the sort of caveat of that being covid really for you know a lot of um you know planned things stopped and i guess that's where we're our heads are in a cloud and spinning now isn't it trying to work out how do we deliver normal service with rising numbers of covid and, and potential rising numbers of hospital admissions <clears throat> that we're now seeing coming through to the uk fiona is that something that you sort of resonates with city hospice as well with the work you do there very much so and i really like that phrase you know we need we need to do what 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 only we can do so what i'm what i'm hearing and it's been a bit of a theme of many of the podcasts is is just that that overall team working so for a patient there are many teams who will be involved in that patients whether it's the GP primary healthcare teams, whether it's oncology, if it's non-cancer, it will be one of the other specialties and, and the palliative care team support. And it's about all of us respecting each other's roles and respecting what each specific team member, if you like, can do um, and, and, and working with that so that we are all working together and we can use digital technology to make sure we're, we're communicating well. So, so yes, in City Hospice, we are, you know, we are looking very carefully at patients' needs and we're addressing the needs as we find them. There's always something to do, but sometimes that doesn't necessarily need to be the specialist palliative care team because, for example, things could be started in an alternative place of care, like in hospital. So we're very much liaising with our hospital colleagues and saying, you know, hand over as people as people come out of hospital and of course Elise with you and Rachel very much liaising you know the role of the palliative care meetings and that link with between ourselves and all the practices in Cardiff is terribly important we've none of us got time to to duplicate things and so kind of respecting each other's and each other's role I think is really important it's not it's not unusual for people at the moment to be discharged from the palliative care team and the only the only time we would do that is if actually we've we've addressed all the things that need to be addressed and and you know people people very often can be discharged if things are stable and then if things change again then come back to us but our ability to do that means that we can support more patients because as Ricky as you said you know that there, there's there's lots of uncertainty and people who have perhaps had a difficult experience in March and April have, have got needs now and have got psychological needs now adjusting to difficult stuff in an environment that's really difficult so that 
team working and sort of understanding the role of each other um, is is really is really really important we will always see people we will always take the referral we will always establish what the palliative care needs are but it can be really helpful if people have actually started to do that on the way because there may be if we've got a high caseload there's going to be a delay before we can see people because there are only so many hours in the day and sometimes the team is decimated if people are self-isolating or waiting for the results of tests and things and this is just the new normal isn't it we've just got to get used to working in a, in a slightly different way I think that kind of takes us a, a full circle and, and sort of highlights everything that we said in previous podcasts really but also you know the content of this one that the networking between ourselves between professional disciplines you know has improved because of, of covid with the patient's sort of safety and, and treatment really being paramount to that so yeah, I'm going to just take this chance Vicky just to offer you um, any closing comments really anything you'd like to say that hasn't been asked directly and just obviously wishing us wishing from us the very best of luck going through what the winter brings in 2020. I, I think I think my my final comment at least would just be that you know Valindra um, and you know our associated sites where we deliver care are very much open for business it's a it's a different uh, it's a different Valindra in the way it may look. It's maybe different in the way that we're having to deliver some of that business. But we're very much open. You know, we we are very much about prioritising our patients' care and ensuring that they get the right care at the right time. And 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 despite all those changes, you know, the the, the thing that I'm most proud of about working at Valindra and that that family ethos that that affection and, and hopefully love that all of our patients will feel, you know, when they become part of that Valindra family is, is very much still alive. Thank you. And, and thanks for your time this morning. Rachel, Fiona, any closing comments for you? Thank you. Oh, just, just great. It's really interesting. Thank you. Lovely. Well, we'll stop our, con our conversation with Vicky now and say thank you and look forward to seeing you again soon. Thank you. Thanks.